are listening to the Mind Brew Chats podcast, bringing you stories and honest conversations about mental health, well-being, and life. From Kuching Surawa, grab your favorite brew and join us now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Brew Podcast, the very first episode in this series of special conversations about mental health, mental well-being, and everything else in our community. I'm Laura. I'm the founder of Mind Brew, and I'm here with two good friends who are also volunteers with Mind Brew. Hi. Say hi, hi. guys. Hi. I'm Hazel. I'm a clinical psychologist. Oh, that. Yeah, that was <laughs> Hazel. She's the <laughs> shrink in the group. <laughs> yeah, that's a resident mad scientist. Yeah. Hi, Hazel. Uh, I and I'm mad. Hi, Hazel. I'm Mac. I'm the local poet guy with wordsmith with Kuching. So I'm. I'm just a guy who suffers a lot from depression and anxiety and just having fun in life. All right. right. That that's that. Thank you, Mac Hazel. Now that we've done, I hope poking fun at each other. Let's get down to some serious business first. Now, if this is your first time hearing about Mindbrew, it will be good to kind of introduce and give you a bit of background of what Mindbrew actually is. Mindbrew started out as a community initiative which is affiliated with the Mental Health Association of Sarawak. What we do is we organize small group gatherings typically in one of our partner venues, Indah Cafe on Carpenter Street and we got people together to talk about things like are you okay? How are you doing? How are you really doing? How do you deal with adulting? How do you deal with healthy boundaries? Things that we don't really talk about in daily life. And we thought, you know, why? These are such important topics. These are things that help us to function and to have good relationships, healthy relationships with people around us. So what, what we aim to do is to get people in this comfortable environment to normalize conversations about mental health and well-being and make it accessible or, should we say, digestible to the general public. And wanted to move mental health conversations out of professional or academic realm. Wanted it to be for the people. And that, in a nutshell, is what Mindbrew is about. Today, we've got uh, the group us together, Mac, Hazel, myself, to talk about what is mental health and, and self-stigma? It's one thing I forgot to mention. Um, about last month, I think, we did a Facebook Live talking about the conception of Mindbrew because it was exactly the one-year anniversary of Mindbrew, 16th of June, I think it was. And we had so much fun. We decided to start a podcast to talk about the things that um, we love to talk about. Mental health is literally our favorite topic and we can talk about it all day long. And today, we are going to be talking about what mental health is and what self-stigma is. Um, so we're going to be 
I, I'm, I'm hearing myself getting really excited. I hope that my fellow guests on this show are equally excited because they're really silent right now. Mac, yes, he's so getting excited. to you, and I, I think... I think, yeah. people, I think I think not <laughs> enough people good. are talking about um, mental health per se, uh, and I think because of that, yeah. it's yeah. good to just start a conversation and and help and, and let people understand that yes, it's okay to talk about mental health. Uh, it's okay to um, just look mm. at issues dealing with mental health, and that to inform people that there are uh, means and ways to actually get yourself. Uh, treated and to to get well and to manage uh, mm. mental health much like any other illnesses out there that that afflicts any um, any person uh, and I think what we'll be doing with these podcasts is to look at uh, issues concerning mental health and with the community and the nation at large and just give our two cents worth of layman ideas and opinions uh, on, on the topic and if anyone is interested to give us a comment you can f- go on to our Facebook page uh, Mindview Facebook page and just drop a comment um, and, and let us know what you think mm. about the topics that we're talking about uh, and yeah just suggest to us what you like to hear in the future you know and you know might just come up one day and just talk about it right so yeah, yep. that's, that's uh, right, that's right, Mac. What do we have on our plate today? We've got two huge topics, actually. First, we are going to kind of talk about what mental health actually is. Because for a lot of people, being mentally healthy just means that you're not crazy, that's it. Yeah. But really, what mental health is, the definition is so much broader than that. And... Um, we're going to be talking about that much uh, bit, a bit later. The second part of what we're going to talk about today is about stigma. Stigma is what Matt was also mentioning earlier, that people are scared to talk about mental health. They're scared that people think they're strange, they're weird, you know, mm. they're, they're crazy. And they're scared to ask for help when they actually need help. And that is incredibly sad. And so that's the second part. Without... Wasting any more time, let's just go straight in into the definition of what mental health is. Mental health equals tak gila, tak crazy. I'm not crazy, I tak siao. But that's it's a very narrow definition. But it yeah. is what the general public understands, especially people who are have very low mental health literacy maybe or maybe they are not have not been exposed to a lot of things so that's what they see from a clinical psychologist point of view Hazel can you maybe like let us know formally what mental health is defined as okay um, well I'm gonna go with something more technical so I'm gonna quote a little bit uh, from what is uh, said by WHO, what does health mean? So health is actually not just merely the absence of disease, but it's the state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being. So it's 
um, being healthy doesn't mean that you know you're just physically fit and all that, but it's also mentally and socially your well-being is being kept well. So this means that uh, mental health is an integral part of general health. And health and well-being is not just about having a healthy body, but also a healthy mind, healthy spirit, and healthy social life. And according to WHO, mental health is defined as a state of well-being which every individual realizes his or her own potential, can cope with normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make contribution to his or her community. So, in other words, mental health is not just the absence of mental disorders, um, like absence of depression, anxiety, it's a state of well-being where the individuals are able to demonstrate health, positive uh, living, or what we deem as an acceptable behavior, develop and maintain healthy relationship with others, can take care of themselves, and can be productive and cope with day-to-day stresses. So, it is however important to note that, you know, everyone can have mental health issues. All of us at a certain point of life, we do experience uh, some kind of mental health difficulties as well, right? Simply because we are human beings and we have emotions. So I'm sure most of us um, have experienced mental health distress before. Uh, but does that mean we have mental disorders? Not exactly, right? Because it all lies in a spectrum. Uh, now um, imagine... Spectrum. Yeah, sorry? Sorry, sorry Hazel. I just caught, uh, caught onto something interesting uh, that you mentioned in the WHO definition of mental hmm. being mentally healthy. One of the things that said was um, each individual is able to achieve his or her full potential and yeah. cope with normal stressors. What, what, are, stress, yeah. what are normal stressors? Can you, can you maybe elaborate a bit? Right. So maybe normal stresses like, um, you know, um, difficulties um, at work that's not too much, for example, like uh, certain small conflicts at work. Uh, not bullying, you know, but like small conflicts or, or things that we need to deal with like workloads or even stresses like, you know, um, deciding on, you know, who gets, <laughs> I don't know, deciding on uh, who, I don't know, husband and wife have this thing that people always use as an example where they toothpaste somebody squeeze from the bottom and some squeeze from the middle, you know, toothpaste. those kind of stresses. He's talking about who, how you squeeze toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you deal with yeah. your family relationship that is not overly overboard uh, in, in giving you stress, but like daily stress, like, you know, certain disagreements or certain conflicts. Uh, yeah, so those are in my opinion, those are day-to-day stresses. So, so that being said, this whole global pandemic that you're going, that we all of us are going through now, is definitely not a normal stressor. Is that correct? No, <laughs> it is not. So we can we, we can safely say that everybody's stressed, right now. like everybody's under yes. this weird type of stress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we are being pushed to face uh, a kind of stress that we have never experienced before in our life, which is why the word new normal has been coming up again and again, because it is something that is not normal uh, in our lives before. So that it would be uh, fairly accurate to say that 
everyone in the world, depending on where their baseline is, mm-hmm. are suffering from some sort of mental health issues at this point in their life because of this monumental stressor that's affecting everyone. Yeah, uh, some sort of mental distress, definitely, I think that will be. You know, whether it's a mental distress because of isolation or mental distress because of uh, the loss of work or, or difficulties in, in predicting the future and the unknown, all these things are part of, I believe, it's part but of mental distress. Does this account for the fact that different people have different tolerances when it comes to stress? Yeah, like, you know, somebody yeah. may be able to withstand... Um, financial stress as opposed to somebody who might not be able to stand like you know like a teenager gets heartbroken so that's kind of a stress to them but you know another person might think of it as just something that they can easily get over with so it fairly much depends on how well that person tolerates such stress right I mean before it actually becomes a mental health issue yes you know Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I maybe at this point, it would be good for us to understand what's the difference between you know we are throwing away, uh, uh, throwing, uh, throwing around a lot of these terms: mental distress, mental health issue, mental health condition, uh, mental health illness. What's the distinction between all of these Hazel? What What do you think? Right. So, so let's just talk about the mental health spectrum. So imagine the spectrum is like a, a ruler where it, there is a measurement between, let's say, you know, let's say this invisible ruler has a measurement between zero to hundred. Perhaps some of us experience a certain distress, like for what uh, Matt gave an example just now, you know, uh, a person who's going through breakups, maybe uh the mental distress is maybe at level 5 or 10. So maybe that's a kind of mental distress, but it is perhaps still manageable. But maybe for another person, um, or maybe when the distress prolongs, you know, time after time, different people uh, keep, you know, breaking up with this person, uh, prolonged distress may push this person to a level of maybe 70 or 80, which becomes uh, a disorder and eventually a dysfunction. So what does it mean is uh, how do we then measure when it is mental health disorder is when this person, uh, the mental health uh, distress become a significant issue where they are losing their functioning, whether they are social functioning or whether they are cognitive functioning where they cannot pay attention or they cannot, they they lose their memories easily uh, or they have like emotional uh, dysfunctions and and behaviorally maybe they are isolating themselves or they're aggressive or they're no longer you know taking care of themselves so that's when we we would say that it becomes a a mental health disorder or a dysfunction when it causes dysfunctions in different areas of life so to kind of summarize correct me if i'm wrong all of us essentially have some low-level mental um, health condition or issues or dist- of distress throughout some point in our life. As long as yeah. we have gone through life, living life and not, you know, walking through death and dumb life. We have felt yeah. emotions, we've experienced things, but it becomes a dysfunction or an illness where you need to seek treatment mm. when it disturbs your daily life when you cannot live your life as you have lived before. Yes, yes, that's right. And in fact, uh, my own thoughts is that we should be having some mental health distress in life 
otherwise we're not growing <laughs> you know life is like a fairy tale uh that's that's not a, a good life to live you know like you, you are oblivious about the real world and and you're you're not you know challenged to kind of grow yourself or, or, or change certain things about yourself i don't think that's a very i mean i think it's healthy to have some mental health distress actually I heard this really great, great uh, quote that day. I can't remember from when, when from uh, who said it, but it said, uh, "Pain that without reflection is it has no value, but mm-hmm. pain and reflection gives you growth." Yes. So that that's the value of pain. Yes. And that basically kind of uh, is what you just said. You need to um, experience pain, experience something in order to grow through life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and and think about you know a, a young child learning to walk. They would fall a few times before they actually learn how to walk a proper way or maintain their balance. And and that's part of life. This and sounds like life. something we could talk about like the whole night. Or maybe we can explore it a little bit more in in, in subsequent episodes. So now that we've kind of like. Establish mental health is something that affects all of us. It's not something that is for a special group of people who are so-called crazy, who are so-called uh, gila. But there are people just like each and every one of us who have gone through life, who have been hurt, who have experienced pain, who have experienced um, strong emotions and traumatic experiences. And therefore, have progressed to a state of mental health dysfunction, mm. right? So, it seems pretty straightforward. Why are people still so uncomfortable and so scared to talk about mental health in this day and age? Meg, I understand that. Um, no, we we had this this we had long talks before this that you know I know you went to see a psychiatrist back in 2017 and, and, and Mimi, can you let us know, uh, tell us a story of that you know, experience? Um, I, I had a, a breakdown uh, in 2017. So it was um, a, a lot of things that, you know, it became a perfect storm of just stress, uh, work stress, life stress, uh, personal things and I think of family and all that so it kind of like snowballed into this singular moment where everything just came at me at once and I couldn't cope and I just I just broke and I back I, I've had such episodes from my younger days so I always felt or I always thought that I could bounce back and I, I always did uh, after a period of just going through this slump I would bounce back and, and all that so but then as you know as you get older that ability to just bounce back it it diminishes so to speak you know you don't get any better at it you know you just realize that uh, you're not coming back as strong as you used to so 2017 was that point where I just broke and I realized I needed help so I went to see a psychiatrist. I got properly diagnosed um, as having major depression. And uh, in therapy, um, 
in therapy, I realized that um, there were issues that I had to deal with in order to be better. And and I would not have known what these issues were if I didn't go to therapy. Oh, and I wouldn't have known that it was a mental health issue if I didn't see the psychiatrist. I I thought it would just me being sad or you know at something, and and all that. So that uh, chance to see the psychiatrist was not something I regret. It's not something I regret. I think it was the best decision I made for myself. Um, I'm just a little bit um, sad that it took me this long to see a psychiatrist and to put a name to what I was suffering with uh, since my uh, my teenage years. You know, um, 2017 I was 42. Uh, I was you know I was 42 years old and only then did I realize what it was that was afflicting me since my teenage years so imagine living like 30 over years of your life going through this cycle of you know going through this breakdowns and all that without knowing what it was and and then finally when I was able to put a name to it I was then able to seek treatment or be treated for what it was and to get better at it and to get better from it actually so um i i think that that's what really happened to me you know um so i seeing a psychiatrist was the best thing and um and then realizing that actually talking about the issue helped me more than not talking about it really that's a really, really powerful story, Matt. And thank you so much for sharing it with us and sharing sharing with um, the people who are listening to us. Because I don't think it's an uncommon story. I think that sadly, it's actually a very common story. And the more people hear it, the more people hear your experience, the more people will have the courage to, to go and seek help. Mm. But like earlier on, you kept saying things like, you didn't know the name of what you were going through. You didn't know um, that it was a mental health issue. But what, what was your perception of, of mental health and, and mental health issue before you went to see that psychiatrist? What well, do you see it as? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question through? because think of it, right? Up until 2017, I didn't even know the term mental health issue existed. You see, that's, that's how... I can't say I'm ignorant, but I just didn't know it existed, you know, um, because think about it, you know, like you see facets of mental health issues all the time in, in, in popular media and you know, movies, you know, like, like movies, you see stuff yeah. like, oh, a teenager has uh, suicidal tendencies or you see slasher movies or they got rage or you know somebody talks about anxiety somebody talks about depression mm -hmm. so it's very glamorous in the sense that oh you know these things afflict the most uh, broken of people uh, what I didn't know was that all of these things actually are mental health issues you know as 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 these things are basically what a person with mental health issue will go through. It's natural, it's normal for a person with mental health issues to have these 
things going through their minds, you know, because that's basically uh, kind of like the package that comes along with having mental health issues, you know. So um, I knew about these little little aspects or facets, but I didn't know what they were collectively. I didn't know that they were actually mental health issues, and when when I was able to look at it as what it was like mental health issues therefore i realized wait you know i can i can treat this you know i can get treatment for this i can get uh, better from this you know um did i have suicidal tendencies uh, yes you know you know these are one of the things that um i had and i told my therapist uh did i feel angry uh, no men have rage issues when they when they get stressed you know because that's just how we react to situations where we can't control the outcome we get stressed we get angry we exhibit rage um anxieties uh i get panic attacks in shopping malls you know and that's basically the outcome of having anxiety you know too much worry you know i worry about what is and things like that and and of course depression you know having you know uh replaying regrets in your mind like a broken record you know so i knew about these things because it was so popular in media but i didn't know collectively that they were known as mental health issues right so um so when you don't know about that and because of how it's portrayed glamorously in media you think it's a bad thing so you end up not talking about it you end up keeping it to yourself you end up trying to fix it on your own not knowing that these issues are well documented are, are have been researched and there are treatments available uh, to help you out you know so i think um for me um the discomfort or the idea that i had something bad created this scenario where i just did not want to talk about it you know i just did not want mm. to admit that mm. yes i'm suffering from this affliction i'm suffering from this illness you know uh and i mean looking back at it now it's as easy as saying it's it's similar to somebody saying i'm hiv positive or i have cancer mm-hmm. you know uh and then you can go have treatment you know but why is it that if i say i have mental health issues people look at me differently <laughs> you know that that's a very powerful message and precisely why we are um, so passionate about these conversations that that give people a platform to express themselves to talk openly about fear of being judged no safe spaces essentially for people who have mental health conversations no no hey so like i think from max story Again, thank you so much for telling us that story, Mac, um, about your whole experience, and and we can see that it's, it was a a long cumulative journey. It was it was accumulation of many, many, many little things that happened over your lifetime, before you you uh, you had a breakdown and you went to see a psychiatrist. 
because I think we've talked about this before he's always we, people sometimes or often say that or imagine that a breakdown or a mental illness or mental health condition whatever it is that you want to name it happens overnight it's like someone snaps and something happens what what is your take on that okay uh i'm gonna um check back a little bit uh, about what i talk about normal stresses earlier so um what matt was saying is is giving me a uh, uh, some um you know kind of insight to what what to say uh is that the normal stresses that each of us experience uh can be experienced very differently so what is normal for you and what's normal for me is very different so uh for me it was many years of going through those what we call it deem as normal stresses uh but the accumulation and the prolonged exposure and the ad- additional things that come along with it kind of uh increasingly increase your stress and increase your experience which then comes out as a, a symptom expressed out as uh, symptoms in what people use to diagnose mental health disorders so again you know when we look at the spectrum the severity of the symptom expressed so it can start off with mental distress from the beginning but because it wasn't really talked about much perhaps not so much in the past and all that so we're not very exposed to to uh being alert of us having already uh expressed some mental health distress so to kind of tackle it earlier so it always comes to a point when the symptom have been become more severe so then we begin to notice it so what i'm trying to say is that you know uh usually people pay a lot more attention when the symptoms become apparent or significant and when one begins to lose functioning when it cannot be ignored anymore and i'm saying not just for the individual who's experiencing this but also for people around them to take them seriously as well until when the symptoms become too significant to be ignored then before that they will keep telling them suck it up you know or, or, or get over it but it was when the symptom become really apparent and significant that people begin to notice it so in my opinion you know as mac talk about the media portrayal and you know all these things it has been there for a very long time um but i also feel in my personal opinion that media portrayals of mental health may not always be completely accurate almost always is publicized as the very severe ones you know like super severe the symptoms already gal gal yeah and it's it's not just a misconception about mental health well-being it's also making mental health appear quite scary and bizarre right so that adds on to sensationalized yes sensationalized so that adds on to the stigma sometimes while materials about mental health awareness have been around for years but usually most of us would not research or search uh about it unless we are really experiencing what we deem as oh this is really not natural anymore this is really you know out of hand already then people will start listening or start paying attention to it so i think it's it's also common to all topics and contents in life like people do that when they research more when they face those situation so we almost always ignore the information available unless we really encounter it but i think the normalizing conversation creating mental health awareness which is what we're doing right now through media should not stop in fact i'm seeing actually recently more and more media uh, are giving i would say more accurate depiction of the progress of mental health issues 
which I feel it's, it's, it's more fairly portrayed. Well, I, I, I think I think we should look at mental health like a slow burn. It's actually a slow burn that starts very early on uh, in life. And if you don't deal with it, it just keep it, it burns you up. And, and, you know, and there will come a time where um, when, you know, these symptoms flare up, you know, and they would flare up and, mm. and people take notice uh, that, oh, you know, this guy has, I've seen this guy react in this way, you know. Um, and I think, yeah, your point on media, like they tend to pay attention to these flare ups because it looks nice on film <laughs> it looks mm. nice but nobody talks about yeah. the slow burn <laughs> that led up to it you know that yeah um, yeah any time during that period this person could have gotten help and and could have yeah um, yeah helped them you know it, any any time during that period that slow burn before even the flare-up things could have come in to mm. help them you know intervene in, in, and you know just just help them not have those symptoms you know um, but you know I, I'm just yeah. thinking yeah. back at it now you know like how we don't really talk about that you know we don't talk about the slow burn but rather we talk about oh you know this guy jumped off the building because he, you know he, he was yeah. stressed mm-hmm. uh, you know bad breakup or whatever or um you have a friend who drinks too much all of a sudden, you know, because they just want to drown out whatever pain they were feeling. You know, so we address that mm-hmm. that drinking problem mm. or whatever that, that flare up, but we we didn't actually ask him, oh, how did it what happened to cause you to lead up to that? You know, and I think I think yeah. that conversation yeah. is so much needed. Especially now, you know, like people are gonna talk about um, financial stress, you know, people are out of work. Um, mm. People yeah. uh, are, are feeling like, uh, yeah, they're scared of the future and stuff like that. You know, so yeah. that itself is a slow yeah. burn, and people need to have that outlet yes. to just talk about it. You know, uh, all, all that. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the problem is yeah. for us who. For the people who work in the mental health field, who see it at work on a daily basis, there's a lot of conversation about mental health in academic circles and in, in, in medical circles. But when it comes to our personal relationships, um, when it comes to our daily interactions with people that we know and love, or, or maybe even acquaintances that we meet every day, there's, there's not a lot of conversation going on about this yeah. in, in the public sphere, in schools, in, in kopitiams, in families. It's so taboo to talk about it. And that is, that's a shame. Because like, like you're sort of saying that um, people don't see that slow burn. And even if they do, Hazel, you were saying that people around the person who, who, who is going through something they tend to put in a lot of toxic positivity, right? You know, think positive. You're going to snap out it instead of really 
saying, you know, what kind of help do you need? The worst, the worst one, is, the worst one is snap yeah, out uh-huh. of it. Yeah, that, that's the worst one. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, it just like it's a shirt yeah. that you can change, or a hair color that you can go to the saloon and and, yeah. and you know change. You can go from black hair to blonde hair, just like that. It's they think it's as easy as that, but it isn't. Yeah. No, like we've been talking about people not getting the help they need, and and um, Mac, there was a lack of about yeah. thirty years before, or about around about that before you finally able to seek help. Now, if the people around you have been able to talk about mental health in India or recognize that that slow burn in a, in an open and a healthy way, how would that have impacted? Yeah, the whole trajectory. Think about it, man. I mean, life? like I. I I had, if I look back at it, I had depressive incidents since my teens. Um, you know, while while thinking about this this podcast, I was like, I could vividly remember. Uh, I was twelve, I think, eleven or twelve, when I had I had wow. uh, incidences where I had a long period of just being sad and all that, you know. But I didn't mm. know what it was back then. I would, I just thought, oh, it's just me being sad, you know. Um, and it mm. it would have it would have helped if um, I could have talked to somebody about it. You know, like talk to someone and tell them like, hey, you know, I'm I'm not feeling well. I mean, I'm I've been sad for the past what two to three weeks, you know. Um, but who who was there for me to talk with? Right. Um, let's think about it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if I could have gone to school and spoke to somebody about it, who was sensitive enough or who was in the know, and who could just tell me, "Oh, you know, I think you are going through this uh, period in life or this situation, and there are ways to help." You mm-hmm. know, like you want to talk about it, or uh, you know, and stuff like that, and. So when I when I look at that now, um, for me personally, uh, I wish there were safe spaces for me to talk about this when I was young. But mm. think about it, man. Back in the day, people didn't talk about this. People didn't talk about mental health issues. It was um, you could hear of incidences where uh, people uh, acted upon their their depression depression and all that you know like jumping off buildings and 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 killing themselves and all that you know uh, and we always thought oh that person was sad or that person must have been going through a lot you know and all that uh, but we didn't address it as oh they had issues they had they had a mental health issue you know and mm. help could have been made available we always talk about it after the fact Right, you think about it, right? We always talk about yeah. it after the mm-hmm. fact. My question is: Is there a way to talk about it before the fact? You know, I think, like thinking back to my own uh, time in school, I don't think that any, I don't remember any teacher or any person in authority, any authority figure actually coming out and telling us that. Some 
sometimes in life you feel things you mm. go through things and sometimes you have problems coping with things like failing exams living up to parents expectations uh breaking up with your first love or dealing with bullying even i think if i remember they were students they were people that I wasn't close to but they had issues and mm. instead of being treated with compassion they were treated with like they should live in shame mm. like they they had to go hide away so they don't um they don't affect the rest of us it, that that to me seems like what it was like back then instead of compassion what they got was shame it was like it was something that um yeah kind of made you look like the weird kid out of the bunch type of thing you know so uh, mm. you you would shy away from it because you would think that there was something seriously wrong with you and and then and then you get labeled mm. as being you know that kid you know um i mean i went i went to an all boys school so imagine being in an all boys school and you start crying because you were sad you know like, like people look at you like oh there's that sissy you know yeah that's another exactly. gender expectation right yeah, so no emotions <laughs> like you know you know so yeah, not men it's yeah. just like that you know that, that that was the society we lived in you know like people yeah. just didn't look at yeah. us in a way like i think i think it's better today nowadays as opposed to back when mm. i was in school mm-hmm. and that was like what 30 over years ago you know i think it had gotten better mm-hmm. and but i still feel that it can be a lot better because um mm. i mean to be frank right people who have who have hiv in a way are received better than those who have mental health issues uh because you know i i guess illnesses of the mind is just a little bit more scarier than physical illnesses yeah. the invisible illness people yeah. don't really see they can't look into your mind they can only see a person who's walking living breathing going to school going to work they don't see the inner battles that's going yeah. on inside your head every day i mean it and yeah, it's easily misunderstood it's scary yes. because Um, you only know until that person opens up, until that person speaks to you, and tell you that you know they're not feeling well, and then mm. and then they mm. tell you that um, I'm I'm having a slump. Uh, I've been sad for the past three weeks. I don't feel like I want to work anymore. You know, um, I I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping well. You know, and, and 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 all that, you know, and you only know this if they start talking about it, if they tell you what's on their mind, if they tell you how they're feeling, you know. Um, I didn't even know the psychiatric clinic in the GH treated people like me. I always thought they treat. I thought oh, they treated they crazy treat? people, like insane people. <laughs> But in, yeah, you know, the, think about wow. it, man. Like psychiatric clinic. Yeah. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like you know, these guys jago orang gila lah. 
yeah, the very like severe crazy, symptoms crazy kind of dude, like that. You know? Really, but then you yeah. did realize you're thinking of like straight jackets and people yeah, like yelling and struggling and, and victims and eat their brains. You know, like <laughs> so, you know that level of craziness. You know, like yeah, yeah think oh, about no. it. Like I don't know, you know, like so. Like apparently, psychiatric <gasps> clinic treats you know people with anxiety, with depression, you know. Kids with ADHD, you know, so mm. basically conditions that that deal with with the mind affect the mind. So it covers from birth, from cradle to well, that's not a good term, but it covers from kids who ADHD, who uh, who have autism spectrum disorder, people with anxiety, uh, depression, um, okay, schizophrenia, bipolar, people who have dementia, who has um. Mm. Alzheimer's disease, oh. everything. Yeah. Essentially, diseases that are, or conditions. Let's not say the word diseases, but conditions that affect the mind, it's which everyone exactly, is successful. It's exactly successful what mental through. health issues are. It's such a broad, yeah. rainbow-colored mm-hmm. mix of stuff, you know. So yeah. So you know, I didn't know about this. And people were not talking about it, and I wish people did. I wish in school I knew that yeah. um, if I if I had if I was affected by stress from home, that I could go and talk to somebody, you know. But I guess it's an mm-hmm. Asian thing. I don't know. Well, what do you think? I mean, I think this is a good point to actually segue to the Asian thing. Can blame the Asian thing for a lot of. For a lot of problems <laughs> in adult life, uh, <laughs> Asian oh, yeah, parenting, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but, but seriously, I, I come from a very, very, very traditional Chinese family. We we don't talk about feelings. Mm-hmm. If love is is uh, is shown in in food, a lot of food, but it's never said. It's never offered in, in a hug mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's more like nah, we eaten food. Good food is put before you. Any any point, if anyone starts crying or gets, um, especially crying, people get very very uncomfortable. Do you mm. feel like what do I do? More often, it's expressed as uh, anger, uh, more anger than sadness. So I, I want to hear your take on this. Uh, is, is it correct for us to blame our Asian parenting for our discomfort uh, talking about mental health, um, Hazel? Um, well, I mean, I guess, you know, coming from culture, Asian or, or rather Malaysian, because that's where I'm from, I think there is a very negative connotation to mental health. You know, people with mental health issues are always deemed as crazy, weak-willed, scary, you know. So, we grow up with the ideas ingrained in us. Uh, you know, like, like I use, my parents used to tell me, you know, there's a back there in my hometown there's a guy who often walk around you know swinging his jacket and all that my mom <laughs> often say that if you're naughty ah, i will send you to that uncle you know like you know that kind of yeah. thing it's it's stigma and straight yeah stigma straight away this person is deemed as dangerous and 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 scary and, and you know it's gonna harm you and all that um with that it is difficult for many especially in this culture to admit or acknowledge to ourselves that we are or that that we can struggle with 
mental health issues and we would probably need help at some time. So even the idea scares people. So when you tell your parents or even students coming up to their teachers talking about these things, it, it scares them. They will quickly dismiss it because it's difficult. We don't know how, how to deal with it. Um, uh, apart from the stigma that has been ingrained within ourselves because of how we were brought up, we, are also, we also have uh, uh, the responses of those around us that further strengthen such taboo comments like, why are you so weak? Huh? Easy, mm. a bit, a bit cry. Huh? Shake it off. Uh, or, or this, all these remarks put the, plus the non-verbal frown and the disgusted look, you know, all these added to the issue, uh, to, the, to the connotation that, you know, this, these issues are not welcome. And oh. apart from that, sorry? No, no, go on. Okay, so apart from that, our society has increasingly high expectations on us, especially with the social media world. You know, it's going to be another topic. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but we have more yeah. other. Let's yeah. I, I could talk but about we, social we have, media and yeah. stigma and how it shapes the stigma <laughs> in society. You know, it's basically yes. shaping how we see people around us. You know? Yeah. Also, yeah, 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 but but we are we are living in this era right now where we are not given much room uh, for errors anymore, and and we are given a platform to present all the perfect things in life, you know, all the happiness that it makes people feel that if I'm not living like that, it's a problem, it's an issue, and and mm. I'm, I'm I'm weird or I have some I would, problems. Yeah, I would really love to do a whole episode on how to healthily manage social media. Because, yeah. like you said, it's part of our world now. We cannot. It's very, very hard yeah. to cope with. But there yeah. are ways in which we can train ourselves to cope better. Definitely. And I really love to talk about that in another episode. But what I'm hearing from you is that there's this fear of showing vulnerability and also receiving vulnerability. This yes. fear of being seen as weak or showing weakness. Yeah, because we buy into this idea of, you know, having to live a perfect life and, w- and what perfection means. So when we buy into it and we are not there yet, then shame comes to us, guilt comes to us. And when shame and guilt comes to us, we want to run away from it. Shame and guilt mm-hmm. is the one thing that drives us away from, from allowing ourselves to feel vulnerable. And a lot of times people think that vulnerability means you're weak. It feels like weakness, but the truth is vulnerability can only occur when one is brave enough to acknowledge and embrace how they are really feeling at that moment. And that sounds like courage to me, right? Even, you know, we have this, yeah, a famous uh, quote by Brene Brown, the author of the book Daring Blakely. Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they are never weakness. But for us, when guilt comes, when shame comes, when you know all these emotions come, we immediately associate it with, with weakness instead of you know us being courageous enough to admit that we are vulnerable at this moment. We really could we, we really could talk about this the whole night because I think it's <laughs> something that's really close to the hearts of all three of us, this issue of vulnerability and this fear of being uncomfortable. Learning yeah. to sit with uncomfortable emotions is one of the skills that help build resilience as well and and that's something that we would really love to explore um, in further episodes 
But, but right now, let's go back a bit to backtrack a bit to stigma. Like you see, stigma, shame, guilt, it, it's all the things that we've been talking about previously. And it causes people to yeah. not seek help. And that's yes. dangerous. That is very, very dangerous. Definitely. I got some stats earlier that said that um, globally, only about 44% of people who actually need help mm. get help. Mm. Globally, and for for Malaysia, yeah. because we we don't have national stat- statistics, we are looking at Singapore. It says that about only one in five Malaysians. This is an estimated figure, but one in five Malaysians who need help who actually go for treatment because of this stigma, mm. and and that's that's really mm. uh, frightening actually. Mm. Um, Mac, I I know that you've had a bit of experience in 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 this area. Specifically, in in disclosing that you have a mental health condition, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and and your thought process in deciding to disclose your condition to your oh. employers? <laughs> That's a tough one, um, but um, it's a risk. I mean, I, I I have to put a little bit of disclaimer here. What worked for me uh, may not work for everyone. And you really need to look at your situation and the place that you are in, and and really measure the risk mm-hmm. that you are taking. Because uh, first and foremost, it is a risk. You know, it is a risk to disclose uh, uh, your condition. So um, I took that risk after weighing a lot of things. Um, for example, um, how open is my my employer to me telling them that I have this condition? That's one thing. Um, uh, is will it cause uh, people to change how they behave around me? You know, in, in a way uh, that these are all the the things that I thought about. Um, what benefit would it have for me? If I disclosed it, that I had these things, you know, and mm. was there a, a way for me to negotiate or uh, or uh, uh, my situations around me uh, to to compensate or to manage this situ- condition that I had? So I I actually went up to my employer, uh, my my immediate uh, boss. Uh, right after my first therapy session, and I had, uh, I told them that uh, this was what my diagnosis was, and these are, I mean, without having to be totally honest with all the details, but to actually tell them that uh, these are some of the causes of why uh, I was having this condition. And I, I made it a point to highlight the fact that I was not coping well with work stress, and 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 that um, I was asking for help in order to reorganize my work, um, and in order to allow me to perform in the same way, but you know with some adjustments to to my 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 work, my workplace, my Work structure and all things, so it came down to me being upfront, but at the same time offering uh, solutions. You know, you can't just go in and say and and demand 
that your boss changed the way you work, but you you don't offer them a solution or how you know you could manage it or work around it. You know, you have to come with a plan. You know,、mm-hmm. so that having this this plan of how I was going to manage it actually helped me a lot in in talking to my employer. You know,、um, but like I said just now, this is not for everybody because I'm very confident. You know, my my、mm. nature is that I'm very forthcoming. I'm upfront. I'm very confident in myself. You see, so be,、mm. because of that,、um, and and plus the fact that I've been working in my organization for、uh, 2017, it would have been 17 years. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I've had,、uh, I have、um, kind of like、um, credibility, <laughs> you know, in approaching my my bosses、mm-hmm. because they knew me well enough, and and they knew that、um, that this was a matter that we could all talk about and discuss and work through together because I've been with them for that long, you know, and and that current boss of mine have I've been working. Uh, with them for the seven years、uh, in that in that particular department, so that played to my advantage talking to them. You know,、um, so I needed to ne- okay, pr- I needed to negotiate with them because one of my triggers for my breakdown was actually my work stress. You know, I wasn't coping well with the work stress, so I needed to tackle that. I needed to. Make some adjustments to that in order for me to actually get better, and that was enough motivation for me、uh, to approach them. You know, because、uh, if I could, if it was a means to help me recover, I would take it. I was that desperate. That was how bad my depression was. You know, that was how bad my condition was.、Uh, I had to identify areas that were causing these things. Um, but they were triggering my my condition, and I I also saw that these were also areas that I could control and I could find ways to to、uh, make better, you know, at least reduce the stress onto me, right? So, what I can encourage people to do is, if you have a good relationship with your employee,、uh, employer, sorry, then talk to them, talk to them, but. It's、That's、yeah. It's, it's part of just letting them know that I'm going、yeah. through this, and I, I, we can work, can work together to help me get better. But I、yeah. also, I also understand <laughs> certain situations where you can't really be forthcoming, you know, about how you. So,、mm. Um, mm. it's best that in cases like that, you you really work well. You really work with your therapist. Right, you you really work、mm. well with your therapist.、Um, that's probably the safest place for you to get better, right? Because then, if you work well with your therapist, it will it will be you know you, when you go to work, you feel better about yourself. You feel you are in a better spot in order to work. So then, in that kind of situation, you don't really have to tell your employer that you're going through this particular situation, you know, because you would have worked at it、mm-hmm. beforehand, you know. So、uh, 
if there are situations where you can't tell your employer, but you can work at it, you know, behind the scenes, so to speak, because. Uh, and that's a personal yes. personal choice and something that you would not go into without no. thinking over a plan, without perhaps talking it through because, your therapist. Yeah, because uh, first really before doing my, it. I would I, I I would encourage people. I would I would put a rule down like you have to work with your therapist. You have to work with your psychiatrist. You know, with your doctor. You know, uh, whether yeah, sorry. How how? Sorry, I was gonna say like so. How did things improve after you made the decision? You told your boss. You were able to negotiate certain changes. Yeah, because, were things better? Uh, it got a lot better for me. Uh, a lot of my workload was then shared out among other other people, and um, because of the nature of my work at that time, I was basically a one man show. I was doing a lot of stuff on my own, and and one of the things I don't work well in in groups. <laughs> I don't work well with. A team, so to speak. So that was something I had to learn to do because by working with mm-hmm. teammates, I could actually distribute the workload. And then uh, my boss introduced mm-hmm. other people to to work with me. You know, and well, it take, it's a two way thing. My my boss can introduce people to work with me. I had to learn to work with people. To to re, you know, the problem with me is I kept things to myself too much, a little bit too much. I always thought I could do everything myself, so mm. that's create that creates mm-hmm. stress, especially work stress. And then uh, you know, so by being able to yeah. spread the work out, I actually you know kind of like this you know lessen the stress on on me. And my situation went all the way up to the HR department because you know, and then they are all my friends anyway. So mm. in a way. Um, Help! It helped me out because then they could send more manpower in my direction. You see, so uh, and they and they mm-hmm. understood why I there was a period of there was a period where I did not want to go to meetings because it was too stressful for me. Uh, that was early on as I, I was getting uh, therapy. I, I couldn't stay long in meetings because it was just very stressful. So my boss. Understood that and told me that if ever I felt uncomfortable, I could leave the meeting. You know, I could just say that I was mm. not feeling well. I could leave the meeting. I could go back to my office, and, and and nobody would think, you know, differently of me. So there was that period where I was having a hard time going to meetings. Uh, it's it's a lot better now, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not really an issue. But back then, I had that. Um, I ha- they they were flexible enough to allow me to have that space to just get well, and and I'm glad that I spoke to them very early on. It was right after I had my first uh, uh, therapy session. It was right after my uh, I you know seeing the therapist and I after I knew what I was uh, suffering from uh, after talking to my therapist on. Uh, what ways we could, what things that I needed to change in order to get to start recovery. So I went onto that. You know, you you get into that program and you stick to it, and then you you work with what would help you. So for me, getting 
talking to my boss about my work stress was something that I could immediately do, you know, uh, and and I acted on upon it, you know. So talk to your therapist, work out with them what really needs to to be done, and just you know stick to the program. Be very serious about your recovery. Because you can recover, but you—it's a two-way thing. You know, you have to work at it. Uh, you have to have, ask people to help you uh, to work, and, and and it will get better. You know. Hearing your story, I think it will give hope to a lot of people out there. And it also brings um, to mind something I heard, I think, a couple of days ago: the difference between privacy and secrecy. The secrecy is shame. You are not telling people things mm. because you you are ashamed of it. You're embarrassed. You want to hide. But privacy is about having boundaries. And I think what you uh, talked about earlier, your experience with your employer and your colleagues and things like that, you were setting healthy boundaries. You're saying this is what I can do. This is what I cannot do. And you chose to review certain things. That needed to be reviewed, but you did not tell yeah. like everything. So you had you 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 took care of your privacy, your, your boundaries, but you were not hiding. You were not doing things in secret. You were not ashamed. And stigma, yeah. stigma, is shame, and and it's very very damaging. That's that's the thing that stops people from going to work or or telling people they're struggling to cope, and therefore. You know, perhaps they they are in danger of losing their job. I, I do have to say drops. one thing: that you oh, do yeah. have to manage your reactions because the moment you tell someone that you have this condition, I had this thrown at me like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you know, how come you can get this?" You know, you know that like you tell someone mm-hmm. like you tell your your mm-hmm. boss like, um, "I have I have major depression." They look at you like, "Oh, you know." How how can this happen? Because well, there is like you exactly, don't look like someone exactly, who has depression. Like, I never thought that you 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 had that. I never thought you had this issue. I never thought you had this problem, right? Mm-hmm. So you really do have to be prepared to re- ha- have a reply for that. So mine was just basically it happens. Mm-hmm. It can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it just that it happened to mm-hmm. me. And I have to recover. I have to, you know, I found uh, a, a means to recover, and I'm in treatment to recover, you know. But it happens, you know. So that was one of one of my kind of like blanket replies to a lot of my friends who were surprised when I, you know I came out and said, you know, I have this issue. So they were like, oh, you know, how come? You know, you you don't look sad. You don't look like. You got, you know, you could have this, but you just have to tell them. Look, it happens. You know, things happen, and and you know, you reach a point where you break. You know, and you can't cope. You know, your coping mechanism just fails. You know, so yeah, you have to be prepared to to answer people. And and in a way, I think that that is is a is is a natural response. Because I was going to say next that if. It's ridiculous that in this day and age we can't say openly, "I have depression, I have anxiety, or I have a mental health condition." When I can say, 
I have high blood pressure, I have diabetes, you know, I, I, I have cancer, I have a sprained ankle, you know, I broke my leg. But I can't go out and say, you know, I need some help. Uh, I need to negotiate certain terms because yeah. I have depression. It's, so that, that's it's ridiculous. Strange, right? Like, really. Um, we would tell our friends, oh, I just had a breakup. You know, I broke up with somebody. And, you know, we tell them about what went wrong, you know, and stuff like that. But we don't want to tell our friends or our close friends that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a slump, you know. But I have to say, Mac, you know, I, I would say that um, your, your employer uh, asked that question. It, it would be um, because it wasn't a very common thing, right? Mental health issues, even at this day and age. But the fact that he, he did ask that, because I, I hear a lot of uh, students who goes to school and teachers just label them as attitude problem exactly. instead of finding out what's yeah. going on. Uh, yeah, no question asked, just attitude problem, behavior issue, mm-hmm. punish. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because, yeah. Um, it's sad, you know, the moment you do that, people just shut up. People just, yeah. just keep their yeah. mouth shut. Nothing. Nothing else. Yeah. No more discussion. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so I guess yeah. you know, if stigma itself, stigma is it's, it's caused by by people who just stops other people from talking. The moment you shut that 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 avenue or that channel to mm-hmm. communicate, you create you label or you stop this person from coming out, and that person ends up not talking at all about it because why because society mm-hmm. doesn't want to hear me talk about it society thinks i'm i, I know there's a problem with me you know and all that you know i that stigma then you know yeah like and when that when, when that translate into uh what we call self-stigma you telling yourself you're internalizing um what other people have said about you that's yeah dangerous as well because you start feeling like um, I can't do things anymore I'm useless I'm weak you know yeah. I'm not a good person self-stigma you turn it inwards and that's that's very very damaging as well so would you say that uh, you know some people think that mental health issues is a perangai orang lah is a individual issue you know it's not something that we as a whole, as a society or uh, as an organization need to care about because it's a personal problem, you know, it's not, it's not our problem. But how can we make people see that mental health is, is everyone's problem, it's a, it's a commodity. What, what do you think about that, Hazel? I feel that uh, mental health, um even though right now there is a lot more buzz about it, a lot more people are talking about it. But I felt that to battle stigma is the first uh, barrier that all of us have to go through and it cannot be done by professionals only. It cannot be done by just you and me doing this podcast. It has to be done by every person who is listening to the podcast right now even, you know, and it has to be done by the uh, top top down, you know, the policy makers, how they, uh, how they shape the education, how they shape the educators 
to to deal with students and even how they create an environment for the educators so that there will not be stigma even when they are going through mental health issues and, and these are people who will shape our next generation the policies the, the decriminalization of suicide which is still not happening in our country it, uh each and every one of us who stand up and speak up for stigma you know when no it's easy to judge and label because it's easy to judge and say hey has problem attitude problem because it's it's simply it's, it's more difficult for us to really yes but it's more difficult for us to really just sit down and listen and uh-huh. hear hey if i were in your shoe i may go through the same thing i may react the same thing as well you know the normalization or the normalizing conversation it's it's not happening yet at the at the skill that we are hoping for it to happen so if that happens stigma reduce then we can talk about moving forward in 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 you know normalizing co- uh, mental health across uh yeah. all aspects yeah. that's my take that, i think that's that yeah. i mean uh, i Sorry, agree that. i mean um we just have to stop labeling people with mental health issues as as um we just stop labeling them and just admit the fact that if you have a mental health issue there is we will will be here to help you you know it's uh, treated like somebody yeah. who has a flu right i mean not yeah, no not covid, not COVID. <laughs> <laughs> even covid even uh, covid like somebody, <laughs> because here's the yeah. treatable i mean come on it's, It's treatable. Right, it's treatable. It's something that can be managed. It's treatable. There are people out there who will help you. All and 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 there are things we can do to people who have mental health issues. Like, um, just this week, I had to tell someone that they were important to me because it came. You know, I was wondering what I, what was going on with this person, and then they. Eventually, it came out that they were having a hard time. Uh, they were thinking of resigning from work, uh, you know, and and all that, you know. And hearing that, um, I told them, "Whatever you decide, I will support you, because that's what's good for you, you know. Because mm-hmm. you can decide what's good for your health, for for your mm-hmm. mental state, and all that. I will support you, you know, because, you know." I've known this person many many years. So that's the best thing I could do as a friend, as somebody who who really cares for this person is to tell them, look, you know, I'm here for you. You know? And I think I think those those words are perfect to wrap up what we've been trying to talk about today. Talking about how important conversations about mental health are. You know, getting people to show compassion, to say, "I'll support you. I will listen. I will not dismiss you. I will not shut you down with toxic positivity. I will talk to you, and I will listen to you." Keep the channel open. And this keep the channels. Yeah, keep the channels open. I think this is really important, and this is why we guys and girls we have this secret agenda where the three of us are gathering a secret. army of stigma busters and we hope that you stick with us 
on this podcasting journey of Mindbrew Podcast and help us um, talk to people around you about busting stigma, about getting help, about yeah. really caring about each other yep. and showing yep. compassion to each other. Yeah, In next few episodes, just let us know. Uh, leave some comments on our Facebook page if you like um, our podcast. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about and any questions. So, any last words, Mac and Hazel, before um, we wrap up? Yeah, um, have um, be be kind to each other um, and uh, look up our Facebook page uh, to see when's the next episodes coming out. Uh, we try to be very frequent. We try to be very uh, frank and honest about our opinions. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. th- this is us talking about mental health and letting people know that you know there is a conversation going on. Uh, yep. Yeah. Diesel? And I would like to say, you know, uh, each of us, if we could speak up against stigma and empathize, uh, that would be great because one day you would need someone yeah. to do that for you as well. Good one. Yes. Truer yeah. words have never existed. And that's <laughs> a wrap. See you guys next episode. Bye. You've been listening to Mindbrew Chats. Find out more about Mindbrew on our social media platforms at MindbrewKCH. That's MindbrewKCH on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to like and subscribe for future updates.